Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slave, and thank you for joining us today. Big day for Kansas. I'm recording this at 9.48 Central Time, and as of this moment, Kansas has not announced, and no news has leaked, as to who officially will be named the head coach for KU. Now, everything indicates that this should have been done on Wednesday, that we should have had an answer. Apparently, there's a a banquet that's being stocked and ready to go. Props to Mike Vernon on Twitter for that little nugget. <laughs> that's, that's just funny. That is real journalism. That's real journalism right there. Figuring out that there's a banquet being planned and there's nothing on the schedule. Here we go. The two names who, I mean, look, Andy said them. It's the two names we think should be at the top of the list. And it's the two names we know are at the top of the list. It's Jeff Monk of Army and Lance Leipold of Buffalo. I'm sitting here. At 9.49 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday night saying, I strongly believe that Jeff Monken will become the next head coach of the Kansas Jayhawks. That's awesome news. And if I'm wrong and it's Lance Leipold, it's still a win. And if you have, if you feel strongly one way or another, I understand that. That's fine. Not being emotionally invested in Kansas, I think either one is a win for them. Period. So why is this taking so long to get figured out? Sounds like contract negotiations. Why is Kansas not just getting it done? Because Kansas, surprisingly, is in a position of power. And you say, that sounds ridiculous. New athletic director, trying to get this right, dealing with financial shortfalls. You've got two guys that want the job. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a bad deal to say, we want to get this contract right. We're not just going to pay you and give you everything you want. That's okay. They want to do this right. And props to Kansas for trying to do so. My guess is that by the time you hear this show, or most of you hear this show, Kansas will have announced who the new head coach is, or somebody will have announced it and it will have leaked. Some national college football, national news individual will have, have said it. If not, you know, Mike Vernon or our good friend, Andy Mitz, someone will have had it out. And, and I know for sure by Monday, when you hear our next episode, the news will be here and we will be talking about it with Andy. So it's an exciting time. I don't. I think both of the options are a win. Not going to be Skip Holtz. That's good. It's not going to be Mike Elko. That's good. It's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be two guys who have had immense success at their programs at various levels. I think either one's going to be a, a knock it out of the park higher for Kansas. I am excited for KU. 
Obviously, this is Thursday. This is today. Today is round one of the draft. Joseph Osai, likely to be called. Tevin Jenkins, likely to be called. Maybe there'll be more. I hope so. Most mock drafts don't have a lot of Big 12 players in the first round this year. There's some that could. You look at mock drafts all day. There's always guys at the back end of the first round that that sneak in or, or get brought in that people just didn't expect, didn't project. Seattle, I think, has a draft pick, which means, you know, something crazy will happen. Did I say I, Parker's going to kill me because I can't say Trevon's name properly. Safety from TCU. Seen him in first round mocks. Now going to be a lot of Big 12, but there will be some Big 12 players' names called tonight. I am excited. I'm excited to watch. I'm excited to see what nonsense San Francisco does at number three. As a Niners and Chiefs fan, I am pumped. As someone who plays Dynasty Fantasy Football, I am pumped. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a fun weekend. Draft is always fun. Draft is a lot of fun. I'm hoping the Big 12 has a, has a good showing. They need it. Folks, I'll say this. Lots of things go into recruiting. Budget, athletic department budget, how much you can spend, your design team, how big a staff you have, how often you can interact with them, the things that you can offer on campuses. All those things matter. Yes, the size of the uh, the wad of cash inside the McDonald's bag matters too. I'm half joking. But the number one thing that matters is how many guys you put in the NFL and how many guys you put in round one. These top players all want to go play with each other. They go to the seven-on-sevens. They go to the camps. They have five-star group texts that they're all in, four-star group texts that they're all in. They're talking to each other. They want to play together. They want to go where you put in players in the first round. And you got a chicken and the egg situation. What comes first, putting players in the first round or getting a whole bunch of four and five stars so you have a bunch of players to put in the first round? It's a numbers game. Hopefully, we see some first-rounders in the Big 12. Hopefully, that pays off for those teams, Texas, Oklahoma State, TCU, whoever else can land a first-rounder tonight in the NFL draft. It would be good for the Big 12. And then if those teams can leverage that opportunity to bring in more players and get more first-rounders, that would be a good thing. So I'm excited for the draft tonight. I'm excited for our two interviews today. Two interviews. I can't believe I started the show and didn't, and didn't tease those. I was just I was ready to talk Kansas football. We've talked about it a lot lately, which is a weird thing. We've talked about Kansas football more in the offseason than we ever did during the season. That's what happens when you fire your coach and your athletic director. This is what happens. So uh, today, two fantastic guests. Riley Gates, 24-7 Sports, going to join us. We are taking a way too early look at week one of the Big 12. Talking about five interesting matchups. We're going to talk about the Big 12 team first. What are expectations for those five teams in week one? And then we're going to discuss the opponent because Riley doesn't necessarily know who the opponent is in week one. How does that affect our view on week one for those teams? And then an interesting stat that I looked at when I went digging around. In 2019, the Big 12 went 10-0 in non-conference in week one. From 2013 to 2020, they lost an average of three games in week one. 2015, they lost two. 2013, 14, 16, 17, 18, and 2020, in week one, they lost three games. So taking that, extrapolating that forward, saying that that might be what happens again this year, what three games does Riley think the Big 12 is most likely to lose in week one? I will write my opinion down uh, on a little article for the LGG. You can go check that out at thelgg.com. I advise you go do so. Good stuff there. After Riley, Connor Hitchcock from Homefield Apparel, joining us, we're going to talk about Big News Saturday Season 2. The Big 12 has four teams featured on Homefield Apparel. Texas Tech, Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. If your school is not currently one of the schools 
with the most comfortable and awesome vintage college sports apparel and home field apparel, you will want to listen to the show today. You will want to listen to that interview. Now, I'm going to warn you right now. My audio in that interview is not great. I lost the original audio. It is lost to the ether. It is gone forever. So I had to use the backup audio. It's not great. But it's a really good interview. Connor is awesome. So I would advise you to stick around and listen. A lot of exciting things coming for Home Field Apparel. We are thrilled to have them as a sponsor here in the show. Just to remind you, promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2, gets you 20% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. So if you haven't bought anything there yet, if you're still waiting, just keep that in mind. 20% off. I see a lot of people with promo codes, a lot of 15% off your first order. Here at 1012, use that promo code, T-E-N-1-2, 20% off your first order at Home Field Apparel. All orders of $70 or more get free shipping. If you haven't been there yet, you should. Fantastic Oklahoma State gear. Fantastic Texas Tech gear. Fantastic Iowa State gear. Fantastic Baylor gear. I, I know I keep using the word fantastic, but it's, it's, it's a great word to use to describe what you will find at Home Field Apparel. Give them a follow on Twitter. Give us a follow on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Give us a follow on the gram at 1012pod. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. I'll read it on the show. If you have good advice, I will take it to heart. All that said, I believe I have woken up my youngest daughter. So uh, I think it's time that we just got to it. Spring football is for the most part done. Yes, Kansas has their spring game this weekend or spring scrimmage or whatever it is they're doing. They don't even have a head coach in place yet, so we're just not going to worry about that in relation to the exercise we're about to perform. Um, So I feel like it's a good time to take a way too early look at week one for the Big 12. So I'm very excited to have our good friend Riley Gates of 24-7 Sports back with us today. Riley, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, it's good to be here. Been a little bit, but uh, excited. It's kind of it's kind of that that time of year, you know, where um, basketball is done and spring football, like you said, winding down. And so you're just kind of like waiting in the middle, uh, waiting for wait for football season already. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm excited already for sure. Yeah, look, I mean, I enjoy college baseball. Uh, college softball is a lot of fun. But what moves the needle is football. And so we're at the point in the year where it's time for off-season content, so everybody get your random rankings and things of that nature together, or in this case, way too early look at things that we really shouldn't be looking this far ahead at, but what else are we going to do on a podcast about Big 12 <laughs> sports in the end of April? So looking at this, the idea today is just to kind of look ahead and make some way too early predictions and some thoughts on, on the season from the standpoint of week one, which would be September 4th. We've still got, obviously, quite a few months to go. Riley, without, I don't know how how uh, how acquainted you are with the week one schedule. So I think this might be a little bit of fun. But I want to kind of steal an exercise that uh, another podcast did. I believe it was Split Zone Duo, if I remember correctly. Um, but we're, they did it more college football. We're going to do it mostly just. Big 12 here. So I'm going to read you some some Big 12 team names. And without knowing their opponent, I want you to, to, to kind of tell me how you feel about them going into this 2021 season, how you think they might be able to start out their season. And then we'll talk about the uh, the opponents and, and kind of see how you, if you still feel that way. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. 
Well, let's start with the, the team that is nearest and dearest to your heart. I know you're going to know who this opponent is because obviously, <laughs> uh, but, but Kansas state heading into 2021, this is a team that, you know, they've really, I want to say outperformed, but they, they really maximized everything in year one of Chris Kleiman two years ago, uh, 2020 had a weird start losing Arkansas state, got on a roll there, beating Oklahoma injuries kind of derailed the rest of the season. Now you head into 2021. It doesn't. It feels like it's still. They're still in that transition phase. Got a lot of guys to replace. There are some guys who come back that are big. The offensive line should have a, a big step forward from last year. Looking at Kansas State going into Week One, and I, I know you know who the opponent is, but let's set it aside. What do you think are our expectations for for KSU in that first week this year? I think uh, honestly, it sounds kind of weird, but I think they need to show or people are expecting them to look like, hey, we have not we have not dropped the ball in terms of where we were expecting K-State to be last year. You know, obviously K-State came off the eight win season in 2019 um, and, and obviously started very hot, you know, four and oh, five and oh, what I, you know, forgetting off the top of my head what they started, but uh, you lose Skylar Thompson to injury and obviously everything just goes kind of goes up in flames and it's really tough to, to kind of establish yourself there. So I think if you're a K-State fan or if you're looking at K-State, the expectation should be where were we when Skylar Thompson got hurt and can we get right back? We, we should be able to pick up right back there. I would say, um, you know, Skylar Thompson has been in school for five, six years now, and um, he's going to be coming off obviously a tough injury, but uh, I, I think his experience is um, going to put him at the top. I mean, I, I think just having a guy who's been there that many times, that many years has that many reps. I think that puts Casey in a good shape. Um, the only concern you would have though, I would say is your defense, you know, K-State's defense did not look great at times at the end of the season um, and lost Wyatt Hubert, uh, probably, you know, their, their top defensive players. So uh, I, I would say K-State fans can be cautiously optimistic. Um, I, I think that first game says a lot about what's going to happen though, because uh, you know, I, I just think it's uh, I think it's going to say a lot about the season in terms of, of where they get the ball rolling. Cause I think their non-conference schedule is uh, I don't want to say really difficult, but I, I do think it, it's kind of going to challenge them. And so if they can look good out of the gates, that'd be good. So Kansas state opening the season <clears throat> against Stanford, that game getting moved to a neutral site, uh, Stanford coming off of a four and two year, but it was a, a tenuous four and two Their 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 four wins. They beat UCLA by one Oregon state by three uh, Cal by just one point. Washington by five. So it's it's not like it was, you know, four marquee wins. And, and the season for the Pac-12 being the weirdest of all of them. Stanford has kind of leveled off in recent years. So it, it's not the Stanford of, of, of the Jim Harbaugh days anymore, let's be honest. But it's still a, a, a named opponent and a big opportunity for Kansas State. So realistically, look at this week one matchup for K-State. Is this a game you go into saying... Kansas State, Kansas State just, just needs to and should win this game? Or do you believe this is a, a legitimate challenge for the Wildcats? I certainly don't think they'll cakewalk through it by any means um, just because it's, you know, a Power 5 team. Uh, I, I think they can get, you know, I think Stanford, while they're not the top team in the Pac-12, I think they have talent. Um, but I expect K-State to win that game for the exact reason I just said. You know, K-State has all this experience with Skylar Thompson under center and Stanford's losing Davis Mills. So they're not going to have him back under center. Uh, they won't have Walker Little, one of the best offensive tackles uh, in college football. Obviously, opted out in 2020, so we didn't get to see him. 
but he won't be back. I think Stanford lost significantly more pieces than K-State did. I think K-State will have the home field advantage because I think fans will make that drive down to AT&T Stadium. I think they'll pack that place. You know, I think the the uh, seating restrictions will be probably all but all lifted by then, um, if not almost all lifted. So I, I, I give K-State the edge in that game. I would expect them to win. And if they – I'll say this, honestly, if they don't win that game, I think you're looking at a really tough season because – then you know you've already got one blemish on your on your season record, and they do not have an easy start to Big Twelve play whatsoever. No, no, they do not. They do not. All right, let's uh, let's move along to the Big Twelve here. West Virginia. Um, this is a program that's continued to kind of be on the rise. Neil Brown is building something there. Um, they lost some key pieces on on what was arguably a really really good defense. The issue for me has been offense. I'm not sure what to expect from West Virginia in the quarterback position this year because I'm just not big on, on Daggy. What do you think are realistic expectations for West Virginia in week one? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it right there. I think uh, I think Tony Fields, you know, the loss of Tony Fields is really, really big for West Virginia. I think he was kind of one of their, you know, staple pieces of the defense. But I think that the expectation should be, hey, we're, we're a top half of the Big 12 team. I think that's where their bar should be. Um, and you know, I, I think that with a returning quarterback, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you first off that I just don't, I haven't seen enough consistency out of the quarterback position to like feel comfortable about what they've got going there. But I think there's a lot to be said about returning experience and that's what they have at quarterback. Um, you know, I, I gotta say Neil Brown has been very impressive. He's been way better than I thought he was going to be as quickly as he has been. You know, I thought he might get it rolling, but I thought it was going to take longer. Um, than it has for him. And I, I honestly think if you're a West Virginia fan, you should be, I think your expectations should be to be looking pretty sharp there. Um, because I do think that those three weeks give you time to figure out the defense, but I think your offense is going to be in pretty good shape. Um, you know, definitely going to have that, that edge that some teams don't in not having the quarterback, but uh, if they can overcome those defensive struggles or I know I shouldn't say struggles, but you know, uh, departures, openings, whatever. I, I think that they can get off on on a really strong note. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so they are actually opening the season on the road. They are facing Maryland in Week One. It was a Maryland team that, I mean, I guess you could say they're on the rise. Certainly on the recruiting standpoint, they are a team that continues to recruit well, uh, or has been recruiting well um, since. Um, gosh, I can't even think of their head coach's name. It came over from Alabama. Mike Loxley's um, over there and, and he's doing, you. yeah, he's doing very, he's doing very good on the trail. Um, not to, not to step on your toes there, but uh, I, I very much, it's interesting that it's Maryland. I didn't know it was Maryland, um, but uh, I really like what Tolua Tungavaloa is going to do. You know, I, I think he showed flashes at times uh, in 2020 that he can be good. Needs to cut down on the turnovers if Maryland's going to be good, but that's going to be a good test. Um, and, you know, a really good gauge of where where West Virginia's defense is, that defense we were just talking about, because he's going to have – Tolua Tungavailo is going to have another year of experience under his belt. He's going to have that more familiarity with the offense. I think that's what people don't necessarily realize is that when he came over from Alabama with his transfer, you know, yeah, he knew Loxley and he knew Loxley's system, but there's only just – you know, there's so much to be said about actually getting on the field. There's so much to be said about getting that that experience with your teammates and – and he just didn't really have that. So that's a really good test for West Virginia. I probably would still pick West Virginia in that game, but I, I think that's going to be really difficult, a difficult week one. All right. So let's move to another team that I has an interesting week one matchup. Uh, 
you know, a lot is expected of Oklahoma this year. Right? They are they're going to be the preseason number one pick for the Big 12. Um, there's a lot of talk, not just of them winning the Big 12 and making the playoff, but can they actually challenge for the national championship the year, this year? Can they finally get that playoff win? I mean, realistically... OU is always a team that gets better and better and better as the season progresses. And they have some things to figure out, wide receiver especially, I think. Um, can the defense start making the steps forward, really start showing the the large steps forward in year three for Alex Grinch to, to push them up to that next level and enjoy that closer to that upper tier of college football? I mean, what do you want to see from week one from Oklahoma if to, to make you feel like they've continued to make progress from their really strong uh, end of the season in 2020 i would say i'd like to really see a um well-structured offense i think um uh, you know spencer Adler's a great quarterback like i'm one of his biggest fans i love what he does with the football i think he's uh i think he can do a lot a little bit of everything obviously and uh he can make some massive massive plays i i feel like they really need to get the run game established though and i think they have the backs to do it but you can't just rely on Spence. And we saw it at times. Granted, some of it was probably freshman inexperience, but we saw it at times last year. If it wasn't set up perfectly for Spencer Rattler or or they saw a defense that kind of took some things away from him, if he couldn't hit those big home run plays, Oklahoma was in trouble at times. Um, and, I, and, you know, I say in trouble. They, they still had a good, a good season. Um, but I think if you can get that running game going on offense, you're really in great shape because then – then you've got a, a system that's dang near impossible to stop. You know, what, what are you going to do? You're going to take away the run, then, then Rattler's going to beat you over the top, or he'll beat you with his legs. Um, and if you take away, if you try to take away Rattler, then they'll just uh, they'll run the ball right into you uh, on the ground. So, and, and I have confidence they'll do that. You know, I think they're they're in a great shape right now, um, getting guys back from opt out from opt outs on offense. So, uh, the biggest concern I think I have though at receiver is just, excuse me, is that receiver? You know, I think, I think losing a guy like Charleston Rambo is, is pretty notable. I know he wasn't leading receiver last year, but uh, you know, I, I think that that's a, a guy that really could have helped their offense. I, you know, I'm sure they have somebody that will step up, whether it's a guy that was in there last year, whether it's a new kid this year. Um, that's the thing you always know about Oklahoma. They have the horses, but you know, you just kind of want to, you want to see him running in the race there. Uh, but w- with Spencer Radler at quarterback, I-, I don't think you really have anything to be nervous about. Uh, Oklahoma actually traveling on the road. They're going to New Orleans to face Tulane and Willie Fritz, who might still be the head coach or might be the head coach at Kansas This by the time this comes out. Um, obviously, you expect Oklahoma to beat Tulane. That's that's not the that's not a question. But I mean, <laughs> and and look, OU fans, this is an opportunity to go to New Orleans, a party and watch your team like well, you might as well take advantage of that. <laughs> I can't think of a better road trip this season, except for maybe Iowa State to Vegas. That might be the other one. That's that's a pretty nice one. That's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, I mean, Tulane's not terrible. They're not a pushover. They're a solid program. So uh, how does that kind of change your opinion, or does it affect your opinion on, on your thoughts on Oklahoma Week 1? Um, It doesn't really change all that much. I, I don't think they'll really get pushed all that much, but I think it's I think it's nice to have Tulane and not – you know, uh, I can't, you know, whoever you want to put in there, they, I guess they played Missouri state last year to open the season. It's better to have Tulane than to have a Missouri state in week one, I think, because it's a game you're not going to lose. It's a game that you're probably not going to have too much trouble with, but if you come out flat, 
you know, especially on the road, hey, you know, it, you kind of might be facing a little bit of a difficult situation um, in week one as you as you knock that rust off. And so I think it's a – like I said, I think it's a game that if they come out firing, if they come out sharp, they'll, they'll knock them right out pretty quickly, um, especially if – now, I don't, you know, Willie Fritz has been – he hasn't really been uh, as strongly mentioned with the KU job as I thought he was going to be. You know, he, he's been there, and people keep mentioning him, but then it just seems like he keeps kind of trailing off every time they have an opening. So he'll probably be there, but especially if he does end up leaving for the KU job, then Tulane's probably going to be in a rough situation. But I wouldn't expect Oklahoma to struggle with that week one game. Uh, Texas Tech kind of making some big changes this season out. Um, was a former OC in Isani Cumbie from TCU to take over the offense. Uh, Tyler Shuck. From Oregon transfer quarterback coming in to Lubbock. It's a big year for Matt Wells. It feels like a hot seat year. It feels like a year where if they don't at least make a bowl game, Matt Wells probably isn't the head coach at Texas Tech heading into 2022. What do you think are realistic expectations for Texas Tech? And, and, and really, like, what do they, how should they look in week one? Well, a lot better than they looked in week one this year when <laughs> they almost <laughs> lost to Houston Baptist. If they have another one of those games, I mean, uh, yeah, Matt Wells might not make it to the end of the season. I, I am really alarmed. I think um, about the fact that Matt Wells did. You know, there was a lot of chatter about him losing his job this off season, um, and possibly being just a two year guy. So I, I'm a little concerned that a he hasn't been able to really establish his culture yet. And I know again, it's it takes longer than two years to establish a culture. Like I think Chris Kleiman's still getting his feet settled in Manhattan. But Chris Kleiman and Neil Brown have shown signs of progress. I have not seen that out of Texas Tech and Matt Wells. Um, and everything, you know, when he got here, everybody kind of thought, hey, maybe they'll be a little bit better on defense, you know, and they kind of can hang with some Big 12 teams. And it really just feels like it's the same program that it was under Cliff Kingsbury, where we're going to try to hang 60 on you as long as we don't give up 70. Um and so I want to see some sort of signs of, of that taking place. Now, you mentioned getting the Oregon quarterback to transfer in. I like that. It's an experienced guy. Um, obviously, it's a guy that fits Matt Wells' system. Otherwise, he wouldn't have gone out and gotten him. It's not like he's walking in and this kid was already coming in as a transfer and he's got to make him fit. So I, I think that he's talented. I think he can bring some, some excitement to their offense. Um, but, man, I just – I have a hard time getting excited about Texas Tech and what they're going to do on the field this year until I see until I see something. And and honestly, I won't be shocked if they're flat in week one just because of um, because of how much kind of drama there was in December there. And and, you know, how did that carry over to spring football? How are they how are they going through that process? So I'm cautiously opt or excuse me, cautiously pessimistic for Texas Tech in week one. Uh, well, week one, a lot more challenging of a matchup than Houston Baptist. They will face Houston at NRG Stadium. Dana Holgerson trying to get things established there at Houston after two kind of rough seasons. You know, the whole redshirt thing year one, year two wasn't especially great. Uh, look, it's not the Houston of the, the Tom Herman era, um, but again, it is a more difficult situation than facing Houston Baptist at home. I mean, realistically, what what would you what do you think might happen here between Texas Tech and Houston on week one? I won't be shocked if Houston wins that game. Um, granted, I don't, you know, I don't follow Houston as closely as I do these big 12 teams. So couldn't really list for you right now off the top of my head, all any departures or anything that they've had. But uh, 
I liked what I've seen at times out of a, out of that Dana, Dana Holgerson Houston program. Um, and, and I just, those neutral site games are, are so up in the air, you know, are, are your fans going to, and they should have a, a nice showing, but it's no, it's not like they have a, a huge distance, you know, it, it's different. Like, like with K-State and Stanford going to Arlington, well, this is two Texas teams duking it out in Texas, you know? So, man, I, if I get, if I'd have to make a prediction right here on the spot, I might pick Houston to win that game. Um, just for the reasons I said earlier, I haven't seen Texas tech. I have not seen Texas tech to a point where I can feel really confident in them and, and start picking them a lot. All right. Last one of, of these Texas could be game one for the Steve Sarkeesian era. You know, I, I don't know what to take away from a spring game. I don't, I don't think you should take too much away from spring games, except for maybe an idea of who could be starting week one. It's a big game. It's game one, new era, but he's put a lot of pressure Spent a lot of money on a coaching staff. I mean, realistically, coming out of the gate, what should be a, a real expectation for Texas fans in game one for, for Steve? I think Texas needs to come out and and just absolutely, I, I don't want to say blow out their opponent, but they cannot look flat. I mean, you, you spent all this money to buy out Tom Herman after, I don't want to say a bad season, and I don't want to say, uh, a, a great a great season but we know what the expectation is at texas tom herman learned that by going 4-0 in bowl games and losing his job i mean they blew out colorado and he still got uh still got fired at the end of the season they have to come out and they have to show that hey we are to be taken for for real this season unfortunately they got to do it with pretty inexperienced quarterback i mean you know casey thompson obviously got in in the alamo bowl game looked good uh, got fans really excited. And like you mentioned, I think uh, the spring game did get some more excitement for him. Hudson card also got a little bit of chatter there. I don't, I don't think they'll go with card. You know, I'm not as, as plugged into a quarterback competition there, but it doesn't really seem like there's much controversy, at least right now today, April 27th, it, it seems like it's kind of Casey Thompson that's going to be getting those snaps. And so I feel confident in Casey Thompson kind of being the next guy. Cause I did like what I saw him in the bowl game, but, and it and it's, might not be fair to put that expectation on him. Hey, uh, this is the first real, you know, your this is your job now. Come out there, start. Oh, and by the way, we need you to kind of hit a home run in week one. But I, you got to get fans excited. You got to get fans bought into Tom Her or not Tom Herman. You got to get them bought into Steve Sarkeesian. And I don't really know that an underwhelming eight point win or something like that is going to do that. Well, that's interesting. This is to me the most interesting. Week one matchup in the Big 12. Steve Sarkeesian and Texas have to open against Billy Napier and Louisiana, that oh, Louisiana wow. team that knocked off Iowa State to open the season last year. I mean, Billy Napier, who's basically turning down SEC jobs, <laughs> Tennessee. Um, I mean, this is a, I will be glued to the TV for this one. It is a really interesting week one matchup here. I mean, with now knowing that, I mean, what what do you think about Texas for week one? That's a fantastic game. Um, man, I'll be excited to see that for sure. Uh, I think it's that, – that makes what I said even more interesting because I think if you come out and do what I said, you know, get Casey Thompson looking like he's really, really comfortable with the spot, if you somehow win by, let's say, two touchdowns, man, fans are going to be excited because that's not a Louisiana program that is, you know, you're wiping the floor with necessarily. It's a, it's a good program. They're on the rise. Billy Napier's doing a really good job. So 
Man, I think you could really take advantage, and you'd probably shoot up in the polls. I mean, Texas is probably going to be ranked 20th to start the year anyways, like they always are. You'd go from 20 to probably number eight after a win like that. Um, man, if they if they don't blow them out, though, if they kind of do struggle, I think that now knowing it's Louisiana, I think that might – it's not going to change what the fans think. I mean, if they, if they win a hard-fought eight-point game against Louisiana, fans aren't going to be happy that it was that close against Louisiana – but I think people that actually know the game kind of right now, they know where things are uh, with both of those programs. I think that game, that type of game could be a little bit more accepted and probably a little bit more, uh, you know, anticipated that might be the outcome. Um, but yeah, man, that, that is a great opportunity for Steve, Steve Sarkeesian to say, I'm here, let's do this. Yeah. It's an interesting and unique week one measuring stick for Texas. Um, Okay, so there's five other games. Uh, Baylor will open the season at Texas State. Oklahoma State will open by hosting Missouri State. Iowa State will host Northern Iowa. Kansas will host South Dakota. And, uh, and TCU will host Duquesne for those lovely FCS matchups. Looking at the full slate of games for week one, um, going back all the way to 2013. Uh, the Big 12 started 10-0 in 2019, which was awesome. Very unique because... Otherwise, from 2013 through last year, the Big 12 has typically lost three games in week one to open the season. So looking at the slate of games that we have here, if I asked you to pick three games that the Big 12 is going to lose, which three would you pick? Uh, man, that's a great question. Um, I would pick Texas Tech and Houston. Uh, I think I would have to pick Maryland and West Virginia. And, man, here's the thing. I really want to pick that Iowa State-Northern Iowa game. And in any other year, I would. But returning, what is it, 20 of 22 players, I think, from the from last year's starting offensive defense, I, I just can't necessarily pick against Iowa State. Um, it, would, it would come down to, to either Stanford-K-State or Texas-Louisiana. Um, and I would probably honestly lean more towards K-State losing than Texas losing just because it is, like I said, that the P5 program in Stanford, David Shaw still is a very good coach. And we just have a lot of questions about K-State. Uh, I mentioned earlier the defense, but the receiving core right now at K-State is not good. And Briley Moore, one of their best targets from last year, graduated. So, yeah, I could see K-State going down there and maybe, you know, stumbling that not great in neutral site games. Uh, I, I think they've proven that a lot recently. So those are the three I'd probably have to go is Texas Tech, West Virginia, and K-State losing. But if I had to pick three of those, but honestly, as I sit here and look at this schedule, I think I could see the Big 12 going 9-1 and one or 8-2 and two in that in that week one. I can't believe you didn't pick South Dakota at Kansas. Like, Kansas, <laughs> they're going to a, I... a new coach that's not going to start till sometime either end of April, beginning of May seems kind of – easy and I, mean, I don't mean it hit just hit low-hanging fruit but i mean it's kansas hasn't been great anyways but it's going to be such a unique situation with whoever they bring on like i i'm going to forgive kansas if they go winless in year one for whoever is the head coach this season yeah and i and i think that's fair i i think ku has more talented players on its roster than than its record indicates Mm-hmm. Um, they just they just have not had a coach that can get it done. They haven't had a guy that knows how to work the the system properly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I could definitely see that as well. I guess I just looked at South Dakota kind of like, eh, 
you know, I don't know what they'll bring in, in terms of that lower level competition. Sometimes you get those uh, FCS schools that jump up and, and kind of bite you and, and they give you the scare. Um, and sometimes you get them and, and you would just blow them out of the water. So I, I suppose, yeah, you could put that one as a, as a possibility as well. I think a lot of it just really does depend on on who they hire and, and what type of system they implement. If they go and hire uh, Jeff Munkin from from Army, it's a major overhaul. You know, I don't think they're going to run uh, exclusively triple option, mm-hmm. but there will probably, there will probably be a little bit of that in their, in their offense. You know, can the guys learn that quickly or can, is it going to take them a, a really long time to, to get that figured out? It'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Uh, so it's Dakota only got to play four games this, uh, this spring season went one and three in their games. They're not, they're not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it'd be an interesting kind of gauge for your first year coach of can you be a guy who doesn't lose the FCS game like Kansas has done fairly often I think I think I saw the stat that since like 2000 Kansas has the most losses to FCS teams of any not just like any power five any FBS program I think Kansas does which is well they're playing Coastal Carolina again so you can probably guess they might lose one of those if not two with the Duke game as well I was real glad that's not week one for them that would be that would be unfair (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, Kansas. We we do like you. It's just you know we would like for you to not be so god awful. Um, you brought a K State guy on the podcast. I think uh, the KU <laughs> jokes are, are kind of guaranteed. I get a couple at least. <laughs> oh, I mean, everyone does. We got KU people who co-host here. They get jokes. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's it's low hanging fruit. It's there for a reason. Uh, Riley, really appreciate you joining us today. This was a lot of fun. I am. It's April, but I'm I'm still excited for week one. I'm excited for football. I will always be excited for football when football is, is not on, even if we have the draft that starts today, Thursday, when this goes up. Uh, Riley, do me a favor. I know you cover pretty much everything nowadays for 247, but for those who want to check out the work you do covering college football, where can they do so? Yeah, just uh, over at 24-7 Sports. Big news can be uh, found on 247sports.com. Um, you know, I'll occasionally tweet out some links from my from my own personal Twitter account, Riley underscore Gates, um, or you could just follow. I you know strongly suggest the uh, just following the twenty four seven Sports Twitter page, and pretty much everything we write goes on there. And um, you know, I just know from from recent conversations we've had, just kind of as a as a company, we're gonna really start beefing up full college football coverage, you know, it'll be a really interesting summer. Just last year, I was talking to this, uh, talking to somebody about this the other day, last summer, you know, it was my first summer on the desk. And, and a lot of the stuff we were writing was, are we going to play college football? What's the latest developments on, you know, is the season canceled this summer? It's going to be a lot, you know, previews. Here's what every team looks like. Here's what to expect. And, and we're really excited for that. So, uh, yeah, it should be a really good off season and, and, uh, you know, season will probably be here before we know it. Agreed. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for as close to normal of college football season as we're going to get. It's, yes. it's been a long time coming. So, very excited to have fifty thousand fans back in the stadium screaming. I think that'll be a lot of fun. It will. It will. Riley, as always, appreciate your time, man, and uh, and we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, man. Thank you. Hey guys, Christine Butterfield here and Madison Morris, and together we host the Winning Women podcast. 
This podcast is all about women's empowerment and creating a positive platform for females to tell their stories. Each week, we interview players, coaches, reporters, journalists, and much, much more. The conversations we have are unique to each guest, and they always have words of wisdom to share. Listen to the Winning Women podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, presented by the Highball Network. Look, if you've listened to an episode of the show, then you know what Homefield Apparel is. And if this is your first time on the show, then you're in great luck. I'm very excited to have uh, making his second appearance here on the 12, the uh, co-founder and CEO of Homefield Apparel, the a great sponsor for us here on the show. And honestly, one of our favorite companies when it comes to sports, period. And I don't just mean apparel. Uh, Connor Hitchcock, welcome back to the show, man. Yeah, thank you for having me, Philip. I'm happy to be back. Uh, let me just say, um, you guys have been partnered with us since last fall, right before football season kicked off. Uh, we had you on the show then, and I love having you guys here. I love the relationship that we built, um, and it's really fun to continue to have the opportunity to promote something that we think is just really, really cool. I mean, I, with the, the lines of like the most comfortable, most well-researched, most awesome vintage college sports apparel. I mean, it, it, it sounds very advertising, but <laughs> man, it's so true. Like, I, I don't, I don't know anybody, I don't know any sports fan that I talk with on a regular basis who's not either like psyched that, that their school is on homebuild apparel or isn't like, oh, man, I just want my school to be on there too. Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, <clears throat> what we try to do when we find people to partner with like 10, 12, it are just people where it makes sense where it doesn't really feel like an advertisement i mean everything will always be an advertisement right but yeah uh, that we do like we're not that uh, we're not that naive but um yeah you know it, it makes a lot of sense with people who are really passionate about their schools or beyond their own schools right and um we just try to deliver a quality product and so we we just really care about it in the same way that the people who listen to podcast very much so care about their school or the big 12 at large so yeah that's uh it, it makes a lot of sense certainly so pumped to have you here today a couple things i want to talk about obviously um big new saturday season one last year kind of came and started during covid shutdown and the pandemic and mm -hmm. it just it really grew into this crazy and wild and amazing thing um, and we saw the, loved the rankings each week that were coming out and watching, <laughs> you know, Pitt fans versus Michigan State fans versus Auburn fans versus Michigan fans buying up Slippery Rock just to make Michigan State fans mad, which was awesome. Yeah. And so now you guys are gearing up for big new Saturday season two. So for everybody who doesn't understand what this means, this is every Saturday for a period of time, you guys will release a new school um, on that Saturday. A lot of teasing. Um, really good promotional stuff. You really get fan bases excited about their school coming out. Looking at this year, I know, uh, obviously, don't give away anything you can't, but what do you think kind of differentiates season two from, from season one this year? Yes. So for Big New Saturday season two, we are trying out this strategy called planning in advance. <laughs> um, we we started out big new saturday season one um it just it just snowballed frankly um we started with launching Tulane in hawaii which still are two of my favorite launches we've ever done um and it <clears throat> became such a social media at least twitter firestorm with sales to back it up that larger institutions bigger brands more national brands 
really wanted to be a part of it. And so we had our plans initially, you know, launching Tulane, launching Hawaii, launching um, Pitt was a bigger brand. They were one of the first ones on board. But then all of a sudden you have Michigan and Alabama saying they want to be a part of it. And we have to throw together designs sometimes three or four days in advance um, and finding places to partner with sometimes three or four days in advance to really push it out. Um, it was it was like running a marathon at a sprinting pace for four for four months. I mean, we ran it from July through November. And then two weeks later, it was Black Friday, which ruined us in a good way. Um, but this time around, um, we've known since about January, which schools we are going to have a big new Saturday, five months in advance. And we are not adding weeks. Uh, we are not changing up our schools. We've had designs for months. We've had partnerships in place for months. So I would say this time around, um, maybe the things you don't see, uh, I, I liken to what we did season one to like a duck swimming on the water where they look very calm above the surface and beneath the surface, they're furiously kicking their legs. Um, that was season one, season two. Um, we have more in advance, um, but it's uh, somebody, somebody kept trying to say it uh, on Twitter in like uh, fast and furious terms, like too big, too new, too Saturday. Um, like we're, we're going, um, we're going big for it. There's some, um, pretty big schools that are involved. Um, a couple of them, big 12 schools. There are some, uh, mid majors like we always have, of course, that's, that's our bread and butter, uh, the unique designs, regardless of the size of the school though. Um, we'll have the subscription service back, which we did last year, which amazingly hundreds of people signed up to get a different shirt a week from a different school, uh, that we sent out. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, on the promotion side, we're going to be able to do a lot more now too. We have a bigger team. Um, when we started Big New Saturday last year, there were five people, a part of our team. Uh, now there are 20 plus. So it's uh, we're able to do more on the promotion side, certainly. Um, we're able to really dig deep on the research side because our design team is even bigger now. So we're really, really looking forward to this. So you mentioned the design team and the research. You know, Oklahoma mm -hmm. State fan here obviously was pumped when you guys added Oklahoma State to the lineup, um, and you guys did a great job. I, I know that um, there was a an OSU alum, a fan by the name of, of Doug Shiver, who who kind of worked with you guys and, and threw a lot of stuff at you, and did like to bring up the Insight Bowl on a regular basis because you, as avid Indiana yeah. fans. Uh, and as Oklahoma State has, that's the last time we faced off, and I think anything, which was crazy yep. and, and hilarious. Um, I know he kind of wanted to, gave you guys some ideas and some directions and pointers. Yeah. How often do you guys have people like that, whether they're just fans or someone at the university, who kind of helps um, show you guys some, some unique things or some directions to find stuff that maybe is a little bit underutilized for each university? Yeah, we always, for every launch, we always try to find someone with that background, not every university has a Doug who has a Twitter account that's always putting out stuff. I'd say a good portion of the Power Fives, I mean, have someone who is similar to what Doug does. Doug is really into it, though. I would say there's only a few, like there's one guy with IU, IU Archive, IU Artifacts, I mean, who he and I direct message on a pretty frequent basis, who's like on Doug level of stuff <laughs> and information. But I mean, we try to, right? Because we can research 
And we can, um, I mean, the internet is available to everybody. I mean, I know how to use keywords, but at the same time, there's something to having someone who grew up in it, who knows like, yeah, that may look like a normal market to you, but that really means something to our fan base because of this, that, and the other. Um, like with Indiana, I mean, um, somebody may research and see the oval and think, oh, that's really ugly, which it is. But it means something and was popular when we launched it because it's associated and people like me who I'm in my 20s associated with Randall L um, playing for IU, you know, and that was like a really cool moment. Um, So to have someone on the inside as a fan like Doug, who can tell me like, yeah, this this logo is this and it means this like this is what you're saying to to Oklahoma State fans when you use this logo. Um, it's really important. And there's a lot of people within universities too. Um, Curtis over at OSU was really great to work with. Um, just in looking for different logos and, you know, what they as an athletic department are trying, um, the stories they want to tell. So, yeah, um, it is always, I mean, we go into every scenario um, not expecting any help, but whenever we get it, it helps make that story uh, so much better. Like we, even Doug bringing up like pistol patty. Um, yeah. that was great, great little, uh, he sent a button over, uh, with her on it and we were able to, you know, recreate that. And there's a lineage there from that button to now that we can retell that story. And so, um, there's still plenty of Oklahoma state stuff to come. Um, there's a lot of logos we didn't use. So, um, TBD on that, but yeah. I, I, I had the pistol patty shirt. I'll just say I'm, when you guys you teased that one, I was I was thoroughly excited. I love having that shirt. That shirt's awesome. I don't know if it's just the fact that it's such a it's a VA logo. I would love for them to bring back or a girl dad or whatever it is. But I, I love that shirt. Um, yeah. Obviously, we've got a few Big Twelve teams now. We're up to four. You had Iowa State and Baylor. We've added Texas Tech and Oklahoma State. Um, Texas Tech coming in about about NCAA tournament time in Oklahoma State just a couple of weeks ago. I am curious, what was the thought process in? in putting those schools out then um, yeah. as opposed to not being Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, Cause I think at this point you were, we were used to, if that was a big deal and there was a, uh, an occasional thing that would come out here and there, but to start to see full new brands released, I mean, since January, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, Oh, this is, this is unexpected. Uh, so what was the thought process by putting like, like those schools out then, I think Colorado was another one that you guys have released yeah. since January, as opposed to saving those for, for this summer. Yeah, no, that's a great question. We, we launched those schools when we did mainly because of basketball. And so we tried to, you know, cause those are all great big power five institutions that could have been big new Saturdays too. Right. Um, but in some cases, uh, we've had enough fan demand for those schools for so long. Oklahoma State, we've had a lot of fans asking for for a while. Um, and we've been talking to Oklahoma State for a long time, too. But to your point, the, Doug tweeting the Insight Bowl every week. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, you maybe have uh, riled the troops a bit for it, which is great. But, you know, we, we didn't want to make people wait too long if we had the license. And, you know, like Oklahoma State was very good at men's basketball this year. Um, so we we held that for April. Had they made the final four, we were actually going to launch it during the final four. So we were kind of waiting there um, with Cade 
um, you know, we want to be able to have the ability to release that in the spring. Uh, Colorado is also good at basketball this year, men's basketball, um, where we weren't, you know, in the past, they haven't been super great. Um, and we wanted to launch them with basketball and same, of course, you know, but formerly with beard, uh, Texas tech, um, we, we have been in talks with all three schools for a long time and it felt like we didn't want to miss our window. You know, um, we could have waited three more months for big news Saturday for those schools. Um, uh, but already we've had people asking for so long and we didn't want to have that interest expire. Uh, as well. So basketball is a perfect time for that um, to launch. And even baseball, it bled in for Oklahoma State, right? I mean, we have the baseball tee um, and Oklahoma State baseball is quite good. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, look, I, I love it. I, you know, the, the sooner we get some big, more Big 12 on there, uh, and yeah. not, nothing against Iowa State and Baylor. You guys have, when I, I have the Marshall Size shirt, you guys have great Iowa State, great Baylor stuff. And, you know, you've added a few things as well. Um, recently to those schools just a few extra mm-hmm. shirts love to cut the nets tee for baylor if they won yeah. the national championship that made I was there. a lot of sense I, yes the <laughs> so is the is the tuxedo t-shirt just going to make a regular appearance in the big new saturday videos or do you have some other like so, apparel to show <laughs> yeah that guy i i just watched it after the <laughs> tournament and it's actually still i don't know where to put it i'm not putting it in my t-shirt drawer uh, I am pro it's just sitting on our kitchen table right now for the last couple of weeks. So yeah, I don't know what to do with a sequins jacket either. I just don't know. I'm not going to hang it up in my closet. I don't want to like have it take up space at the office. So yeah, no, I mean, it's to kind of what you're alluding to. I, for those who probably don't know, uh, I, uh, we had a, there's a phenomenon called home field magic where um, we ignore any bad thing, uh, like a loss that happens to a home field school and any win we attribute to them being licensed with home field. Um, and so, yeah. And so um, I wore this year for the tournament, um, a tuxedo t-shirt and a gold jacket with a magician's hat. And I pull schools out of the hat whenever they'd win. Um, so, Yeah. That was, uh, I wore it to the national championship game too. And de- sitting by myself, I definitely did not get weird looks at all. <laughs> so uh, that's one of the things I want to talk to you guys about is, you know, you guys do good work. There's no argument there. But one of the things I think that's made you so popular is how you guys handle your social media, especially your presence on Twitter. Like you have a very large Twitter audience. You have a very engaged Twitter audience, as we mentioned, you know, Doug tweeting the Insight Bowl from Oklahoma State mm-hmm. meeting in, in uh, Indiana. I see people who regularly show off your shirts, who regularly tweet at you, who, who mm-hmm. hey, this is cool. You guys should check this out. You have a very, very loyal and engaged audience on Twitter. Like, it feels like it happened organically mm-hmm. because you guys have this really strong voice and this really def- well-defined and engaging personality. Like, right? What is it like? Everyone wants to do that, right? That's one of those things we all think like, oh, I could do that. I could just, what is that like maintaining that? And and what is the strategy you guys kind of use as far as trying to keep that the way it is? I know it's one of those things. It's like, please explain to me how to, you know, how to do magic. But like, how, how, how does that work for you mm-hmm. guys? Yes. So, um, there's so many directions I could go with that. One, I will say it's not very planned, um, which is, I 
I think part of the um, part of why it works because it's, it doesn't feel like, at least in my opinion, I mean, I'm the one tweeting. I don't, I'm not the one who's observing, but it doesn't feel like a brand is just uh, scheming to get your money. Um, <clears throat> our belief has been that, you know, we will, we have a quality product. Like once you buy it, I mean, we have really high repeat purchase rates. There's no doubt in my mind um, that once you buy it, you'll buy again. Like I have no, I mean, unless we screw up your order, which is possible. Um, and so for me, viewing the social media as a tool to attract people to the brand, um, the product sells itself, but we have to get some people in the door somehow. You know, and one, I mean, we could tweet out cool images and like that. I mean, that does work if it's just cool. People will reshare it, which we do. Um, but I mean, the Twitter works because um, we think as a company, the people who work with us and the attitude we have toward T-shirts, which is like we love what we do, but we're not saving the world. It's literally one of our core values. Um, we think that attitude is attractive. And so if we earnestly share who we are and also don't take ourselves seriously and have fun, like that's what social media is about. Um, in theory, in theories to uh, create relationships and have fun. Um, so we've gotten in growing our audience, we've gotten lucky though, not lucky. I mean, we've been strategic with it um, where we will find places to partner who have similar attitudes, right? um like a 10 12 and you have an audience of people who are attracted to that and when we partner with places that have an audience that would like something that we do the head of that audience and community whether it be a podcast host or a blogger um it's like they speak to that group on our behalf and say like hey they're cool right and so that we get a really similar audience who's introduced to us um, and they just become engaged with what we do. And so um, sometimes we do go a little niche um, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes we have to break out of the same model and that requires a little bit of planning because if I constantly treat it like a stream of consciousness, then I'll always just be like reverting back to quips about Indiana football. Um, but, it, but it's also who we are. Um, and it's been fun now too. We have, um, different members of our team who, um, are on Twitter as well. And like, you can tweet school requests at our licensing guy, Tom, director of partnerships, you know? Um, but it has been a community and we've grown that because we, when we launched a new school, we joined other communities. Um, and, um, uh, you know, there, there is more that we can certainly leverage, especially across other social media channels. But our belief has been to, to do one thing really well and then expand from there and do a couple other things well and then expand and expand and expand. Um, and so we've done the core of Twitter well. And now we're looking to expand that audience and maybe not tell the same three quips about Indiana football. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody enjoy. I think you have done more for Indiana football than Indiana football has, so... You know. Not that. No, 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 no. I will not take that away from them. We are we are merely a messenger. They are beautiful souls. And Tom Allen is uh, our Moses. So um, I'm going to put you on the spot to wrap this up real quick. 
As I mentioned, there of course there are four Big Twelve schools, and as you tease, there are more Big Twelve schools coming. Yeah, I am very excited about. Uh, which Big Big Twelve line that you guys currently have is your favorite? Oh man, <laughs> I'm just gonna make all the other fan bases not like you. That's how I say. So I'm always biased toward the thing we just launched. Um. I'm honestly going to have to say Oklahoma State, which sounds like I'm playing uh, playing to the crowd here, but uh, at least to you. <laughs> but, <clears throat> I mean, it's just really clean, and I always like when we have different colors involved, um, and orange is different than most of our collections. Um, <clears throat> like the Oklahoma State baseball tee with the cowboy script on it, I really, really, really like. Um so I'm going to say Oklahoma State, although I love them all. I mean, we've just had um, we've had Iowa State and Baylor for so long. They were some of our first power five schools um, that maybe it's just, uh, you know, it's not like new, fresh in my eyes um, compared to the other two, which I mean, I think they're really good collections. We don't even have access to most Baylor marks right now, too. So we're working on it. Um, I will say I did really like our uh, our tortilla toss shirt for Texas Tech. That is a we great shirt. Our designers draw a tortilla with wings on it. And uh, yeah, maybe one of my more favorite ones of all these collections. But yeah, I will, I will say Oklahoma State. You know, if I were to pick one to wear off the shelf, I think I'd pick Oklahoma State. Very cool. Okay, you heard it here. Uh, Home Build Apparel is fans of Oklahoma State and Indiana and nobody else. That's what the right. to take away. Uh, Connor, appreciate your time, man. Very excited for Big News Saturday. That uh, starts in June. Uh, before then, you've got a few weeks of new releases for schools you already have. I'm going to make sure it's new apparel for a few schools. That yeah. is really excited. Uh, it's just my my wife is, I swear she's going to take my credit card away from me if I don't, if I'm not careful. So uh, prepare yourself for some Indiana joggers, my friend. Okay. <laughs> uh, our our good friend Jamie, who co-hosts with us on Mondays, has bought the Sad Dog joggers. And I think it's the favorite her favorite thing she owns, short of her like engagement ring. <laughs> Dude, uh, we sold out. I mean, we had a hundred hundreds of them allocated because we knew it was going to go crazy. We sold out in forty five seconds of those. It was the most insane thing I've ever seen, just for a joke on the internet. For <laughs> a pair of Sad Dog joggers. Oh my gosh, that's uh -huh. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Connor, man, appreciate it. Uh, look forward to continuing this partnership and good luck with Big News Saturday Season 2, man. Look forward to seeing which two Big 12 schools are going to be added to home field in the next few months. Yes. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Uh, always fun to come on. So. Podcast Network.